As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, listeners. Jess here. Have you heard our newest show, Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches? Winnie Taylor is just a teenager when her mother dies, sending her to Cleveland to reunite with her dad, a former football player. It's an inspirational story about sports, family, and learning to overcome the barriers that hold us back. Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches has something for everyone. Action-packed football games, a story about friendship, and a father-daughter story that will warm everyone's heart. I know you're going to love it. Follow Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free with a GZM family subscription. Head to gzmshows.com for more. Hi, and welcome to the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. My name is Jonathan Messenger, and with me, as always, is my introbot and pal, Bebop Robomogo Wanatron. Say hi to everybody, Bebop. I said, hi, Bebop. Bebop? Listen, Bebop, you're an introbot, so you're supposed to do the introduction. You know, introduce. Bebop? Oh boy. Here we go. I'm back. Ninja Bebop. So this is a new character club thing then. Now suddenly you're a ninja? I'm not here anymore. What is that noise I keep hearing? That's my appearing sound. That's my disappearing sound. And what sound gets you to introduce the show? Here I am. Now I'm gone. Okay, but would you please away so that I can introduce the show then? Now... If you remember what happened in the last episode, the kids were on a planet and this tiny candy alien had jumped into Eliza's mouth and was transforming him into a monster. How will they get out of this one? We'll find out in the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, Season 4, Episode 9, Cough It Up.
yelled all of the candy aliens. Eat them, eat them, eat them, eat them. Eat us? said Vale. Elias, dude, do you want to eat us? No, I don't want to, said Elias. But you guys should probably run. Finn, Vale, Abigail, and Paige all stood staring at their friend Elias, who had just been turned into some sort of furry alligator creature by accidentally swallowing a small candy alien named Yoho. The other candy aliens, a rainbow of menacing little gobstoppers, were chanting for Elias to eat them. Eat them, 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 you can do it. Wait a second, Elias, said Finn, holding out his hands to his friend. Why exactly do you think we should run? Finn pushed the button on the side of his helmet to put his visor down, and the rest of the crew did the same. They didn't want any of the other aliens jumping into their mouths. I don't want to eat you, but I also really want to eat you, you know, said Elias. It's like when you've eaten too much, and there's one last cookie, and you really don't want to eat that last cookie, but then again, it is a cookie, and it's right there waiting for you to eat it, and you just want to eat it because you know it will be a delicious cookie that will be good to eat, even if you regret it afterwards. What the heck? You might as well just eat one more cookie. Uh, You know that feeling? And we're the cookies, said Paige. You're the cookies, said Elias. He took a step toward his friends. It's so interesting, said Abigail. It's like Yoho has taken over Elias's body, but he's also still Elias. Elias took another step toward his friends. Yeah, I don't think now is the time for a science fair presentation about what's happening to Elias, said Vale. I think now is the time to get out of here. Elias took another step. The kids weren't sure what to do. They wanted to get away from Elias and out of eating range, but at the same time, they couldn't leave their friend there, not like this. Elias took another step. We're not cookies, Elias, said Vale. I know, said Elias, taking another step, this time toward Vale, looking at him like he was a cookie. Hold on, said Paige. Don't eat Vale, there's no way... Vale tastes good. Just look at him. Ouch, said Vale. I'm trying to save your life here, Vale, whispered Paige. Yeah, but you don't have to say it like that, said Vale. I mean, I taste easily just as good as Finn, and Abigail has all that hair that would get caught in his teeth, and you're too little. We're not making an Explorer Shoot 301 menu here, Vale said Paige. And besides, you only shower like once every two weeks, so yeah, if I had to eat one of us, you would be the last. Well, last means dessert, and that means I'm the sweetest. And I don't shower that often because I have sensitive skin, just like my sensitive soul, which you have hurt with your mean words. Fine, yelled Paige. You're delicious, Vale. You're the chef's special, okay? Elias, go ahead. Okay, yelled Elias, and he leapt at Vale, teeth chomping. 
Vale jumped out of the way and started running toward the dragon ship. Ooh, I didn't mean it, said Paige. Stop it already, Elias. Quit it. Bad Elias. Bad Elias. Elias wheeled around and growled at Paige. He's not a dog, Paige, said Finn. Don't talk to him like that. Elias roared and dove at Finn. Okay, maybe he's kind of like a dog. Finn jumped and ran through the high grass of Yoho's planet. He assumed that Vale had made it back to the dragon ship, but unfortunately, Elias had jumped between Finn and the ship, so now he was running in the opposite direction. He could barely see where he was going, the high grass coming up to his chin. It was almost like he was swimming through a field. He could hear Elias' footsteps and grunts following closely behind him as he ran through what seemed like an endless field. He figured he'd at least done something good. He'd led Elias away from Paige and Abigail. They were safe, and they could get into the dragon ship and regroup and figure a way out of this mess. All he had to do was keep running and keep Elias away from... Oh. Finn emerged from the tall grass, and there he was, back next to the dragon ship, Abigail and Paige staring blankly at him. I... I I thought I led him away from you guys, said Finn. You ran in a big circle, Finn, said Paige. You led him right back to us. But that's impossible, said Finn. I was running for so long. Like 12 seconds, said Abigail. Come on, let's get into the ship. <laughs> Elias jumped onto the top of the ship. He stood there growling, drool dripping from his jaws and pooling at his feet. Remember when Yoho said there was nothing left on this planet to eat him and all the other candy aliens? Said Abigail. I think I know why. Every time they're eaten, they take over their predators and then they prey on whatever creature eats them. It's kind of the ultimate revenge. That's so cool. Not that cool said Paige, pointing at Elias, who was skulking down the dragon ship, perched between its eyes. Okay, yeah, right, not cool for us, said Abigail, taking a step back. Elias started sniffing the air and moving down the dragon ship's snout. His movements were so animal-like, soft, smooth steps. Finn watched Elias slink toward him, and he put one arm in front of Paige, moving her slowly behind him. Vale popped up in one of the dragon ship's eyes and caught one glimpse of Elias before jumping back down. I can't watch, he yelled. Okay, listen, said Finn. Abigail, you run that way, away from the ship. Paige, you run in the other direction. I'm going to run straight out of here. He won't be able to catch each of us, and maybe I can lead him away for good this time. No way, Finn, said Abigail. Okay, see ya, said Paige. Just go, yelled Finn, and Elias jumped at him. <laughs> Finn took off running, this time making sure he was leading Elias in a straight line away from the ship. Finn dashed through the grass, 
and Elias took to the low branches of the trees, swinging madly like some sort of possessed ape, seeming to enjoy watching Finn scramble. Finn came to the edge of another swamp and turned to run along the water when Elias jumped down. There he was, a heavy breathing monster, face to face with Finn. Finn had the water on one side of him, the tall grass on the other side, and Elias right there in front of him. Finn thought he could see something in Elias's eyes. Even though his friend was slipping further and further into monster mode as the seconds passed, Finn thought he could still see the old Elias in there. Elias, said Finn, come on, man. I know you don't want to do this. The creature licked its lips. Remember when we used to play hide-and-seek on the Marlow? Finn tripped on a root behind him and fell to the ground. We were always a team, you and me. Elias bent down, grabbing Finn by the shoulders. You were the best, said Finn. Come on, Elias, I know you're in there. Elias's wide jaws opened. Don't do it, yelled Finn. Suddenly, a sticky purple furball bounced off of Finn's visor. And there was Elias on top of Finn, coughing, wiping at his mouth, no longer furry, no longer purple. What just happened? said Finn, as Yoho ran off into the grass. It was my speech, wasn't it? You felt that bond of friendship from what I was saying, and you decided not to eat me. Nope, said Abigail. I happened. I just did the old Heimlich maneuver on our pal Elias here, and he coughed Yoho right up. But, but how did you find us? said Finn. Look around, Finn, said Abigail. Guess what? You ran in a circle again. And it was true. Finn now saw that the edge of the swamp he'd run up against was right by the explorer pod. Come on, said Abigail, giving Finn and Elias a hand to their feet. Finn, you are a great detective, but a lousy navigator. Elias went back to the dragon ship with Paige, and Finn and Abigail waded out to the abandoned explorer pod. They opened the door and climbed inside. It was eerie being back in a pod, but with no robots, no other Marlowe explorers. Look, said Abigail, it's a note. Vale, Paige, and Elias, can you hear me? Loud and clear, said Vale, but Elias is passed out on the dragon's tongue. I think being a monster took a lot out of him. Okay, listen to this, said Abigail. We found this note inside the pod. It says, Dear friend, my name is Genevieve Brooks of the Marlowe 280 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station. My space station has been taken over by an evil captain named Bunce, who wants to use the Marlowe to conquer planets throughout the universe. We have sent this pod to your planet in the hopes that you will join our fight to take back the Marlowe. The pod is equipped with a homing beacon, and if set to autopilot, will bring you to the Marlowe. We know this is a lot to ask, but if you join us, you will forever have the gratitude and allyship of the Marlowe. Wait a second, said Finn. 
Does that mean Genevieve thought this planet would help us? Why did she pick this one? I don't know, said Abigail. Maybe it veered off course. Anyway, it's time. The pod will get us back. It will find the Marlowe for us. Vale, wake up Elias and tell him to take control of that dragon ship. You're going to follow us. We're going to take back the Marlowe. Uh, you said that last time, Abigail, said Vale, and then we landed in the swamp. It'll be different this time, said Abigail. Mm, I think? All right, I'm here with my son and my editor, young Griffin Messenger. Say hi to everybody, Griff. Hello. All right, Griff, what did you think of that episode? Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, why? I just think it's sort of in the middle. Close to pretty good, but also close to good. Okay. I wonder why they were sent to that planet. Yeah, why were they sent to that planet? Well, they weren't sent to the planet. The, the pod was sent to that planet. And Genevieve had said that she was sending the pod out to various planets that she thought could help them, right? Mm-hmm. So do you think that it was meant to go to that planet, or do you think it veered off course and landed there? I'm not sure. I think it veered off. Yeah? Mm-hmm. What did you think about Elias and Yoho? Pretty funny. <laughs> do you think you'd like to eat a Yoho? No. No, you get to be a monster for a little while. Or forever. That's only because if he coughed out Yoho. Right, right, right. So if you didn't have a friend who knew the Heimlich Maneuver, then you would be a monster forever. Right. All right. Any other thoughts or questions about the episode? Uh, Do you know where this episode, what the inspiration for this planet was? No. It's kind of like the gas planet, again, inspired by Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Because, again, it's like a kid eating something and being transformed into something, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's sort of the idea. That's the last of our Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But if you've never read, you, you've read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, right? Yeah. Charlie Chocolate Factory, Charlie in the Glass Elevator. Which one do you like better, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory or Charlie in the Glass Elevator? Uh, Charlie in the, in the Glass Elevator. Really? You like the Glass Elevator better? Yeah, because I kind of liked how they had all those, like, where the astronauts thought the Glass Elevator was a spaceship. Yeah, and... right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, great. Well, should we dive into character club sure all right like i said we're getting a lot of really good entries we can't share every single one of them on the show but i will be posting more and more on the website and i'm putting them all into a character library so that we can use them in future episodes so even if you don't have a chance to hear your character on the show definitely check out the website know that i want to try to get as many as i can into the story okay okay all right, so the first one is Quinn, who's eight from California. He sent in a character named Tech Climb, and he sent in a Lego figure that he made for Tech Climb, and it said, character is Tech Climb. People think he's a robot, but he actually has a robotic eco-suit, and he has rocket boots. It says that he also has friends. One is an actual robot who is an engineer and inventor, and he has another friend who is a regular person who has powers that let her control ice, water, and steam. Pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. That's like their own little team. Sort of like an explorer's troop. Yeah, right. 
exactly. And then we have one from Mirabelle Power in Orlando, Florida. Mirabelle is one of the cast members of the Book Power for Kids podcast, a great podcast. This character is called the Alien Tentacle. It is an alien with two tentacles on each side. It stays on the moon and can't go on any other planet or else it will get hurt. But it likes to hop around, but it doesn't have to eat. It's good at squishing moon ants. What are moon ants? I don't know. They're part of this character's world, but they're squishable. <laughs> <laughs> like regular old ants. Yeah, right. So that was pretty cool. Thank you so much, Mirabelle, for that. And then her brother, Chaska, sent in one as well called Bartimotron. Bartimeotron. Bartimeotron. says he has a special design that can shapeshift into anything. He doesn't have jets, so flying is limited to winged forms. So when he shapeshifts into something that has wings, then he can fly. He prefers to resemble an Egyptian boy and is very snarky, which means he likes to make a lot of jokes at people. The bot thinks lowly of life forms and has quite the ego. And he says he was inspired to make this character by the Bartimaeus trilogy by Jonathan Stroud. He says it's a great series that he thinks you would like, Griffin. Cool. Yeah, so we'll check that out. The Bartimaeus trilogy. I'm going to write that down, Chaska. Thank you very much. Oh, and he said that his sister, Lonnie, she did the drawing, which is really good. And she recommends Third Grade Mermaid as a mermaid book. We had asked for mermaid suggestions during Character Club before. Third Grade Mermaid. I like how that sounds. Third Grade Mermaid. Third Grade Mermaid. Third Grade Mermaid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, and we have one more character to go for Character Club. What is this character's name, Griffin? Hex Alien. Hex Alien. What is Hex Alien like? What's it, what are his traits? Uh, he he's a mutated kid. And before he was mutated, he he liked to explore and basically have little target practices, little slingshots. Slingshots. So he is a kid who mutated into an alien. So he's Hex Alien. Is that right? Yeah. Cool. And you can see a picture of him on our website, right? Right. Awesome. Okay, and now it is art time. Art time. All right, I want to say thank you to Abigail, Sarah, and Miriam from Riverdale, New York, Max, who's eight from Lincoln, Illinois, Simon, who's seven from Baltimore, Maryland, hey, Simon, August, who's five from Powellsboe, Washington, Evan, who's four from Atlanta, Liam, who's six, and Cora, who's four, from Coppell, Texas, Sophie, who's eight years old, Esther, who's seven, from Willowgrave, Pennsylvania, Caroline, who's five, from Pennsylvania, Solimar, who's 11, from the Philippines, Max, who's five, from California, our pal Cash, Noah, who's seven, from Terrace, British Columbia in Canada, and Faith, who is nine, who lives in Australia. I should also say a quote-unquote thanks to Marin, Jack, and Ben in Brisbane, Australia, who I think gave Bebop the ninja idea. All right, and now we have a couple of jokes. The first joke is from five-year-old Gideon from Port Angeles, Washington. Here is his joke. What do astronauts eat in space? Cheerios with some Milky Way. (laughs) That's great. Thank you, Gideon. And then up next, we have a joke from Emma. Emma, take it away. My name is Emma, and I am six. This is my joke. How do stars start a race? Ready, set, glow. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Emma. Bye. And then finally, it's Gnome, who is seven, from Arlington, Massachusetts. Why did the alien tie himself up in knots? Because he wanted to become an astronaut. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much for the art. Thank you all so much for the jokes. Thank you all so much for the characters and the sounds. Our listener, Emma, sent in the sounds of the kids running in the grass. So thank you very much for that, Emma. Griffin, anything else you want to talk about today? What's going to happen next? Yeah, they're headed to the Marlow. At least we think they are. At least we think they are. All right, well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And you want to say bye to everybody, Griffin? Bye-bye, bye. All right, we'll see you next week. I want to say thanks again for coming back and having more fun with us this week. Thank you so much for all of your art. Thank you so much for all of your sounds, all of your great ideas for Character Club, for Bebop. It's so much fun for Griffin and Bebop and I to get all this email and get all of your wonderful ideas. Thank you all so, so, so much. The Alien Adventures of Fincast is a Gen Z Kids production. Written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in the multiverse. Our cover art is by Sir Ian Dingman. And for more information about the show, check out the show notes or go to fincaspian.com. We'll be back with a special Character Club episode pretty soon. Thank you all again so, so much, and we will see you next week. Hi, I'm Amy. I'm Oded. I'm Ethan. I'm Awa. And, and we're, we're a GZM family. Join us and listen to Fourth and Inches. Here, Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Three years ago, Brinley Pasternak helped the Anders family uncover the truth about Holiday's past. Now, she'll need them to help her find the truth about hers. Six Minutes Out of Time is the long-awaited sequel to the most downloaded family audio adventure in history. When Cyrus is found unconscious near the mysterious Elixir Academy in Florida, Brinley learns the school may have a shocking connection to her missing mother. All new episodes are available one week early and ad-free for GZM subscribers. Visit gzmshows.com to learn more.